Welcome to PhD with Women on It, Hack the Future. My name is Beata Young and today's PhD positivity hack delivered will be by our guest, Renny Morsh. Topic, career change, a pay cut can make you richer. Episode 56 starts here. Let me remind you, this is a grassroots community that focuses on women on it, an inclusive forum of women in technology, startups, and female leaders who are supported by men as well. And I bring heart to that hustle because empathy is my motto and empathy is critical when you are changing your career. This is the last episode in the Women History Month which falls into March, strangely enough. International Women's Day can be every day. We aim to make waves, break the bias, and change the ratio. Use words like hire, promote, pay, raise, bonus, fund, invest in, enrich, give equity, elect, lead, and don't just say it. Just do it. Before we dive into the topic, let me mention a few highlights. Congratulations to Robo founder Vladlena Dufresne for being accepted into Great Business Accelerator program. It's great to see Vladlena always on the go, go, go. Thank you, Jamie Allen, for his uh, relentless support to diversity, women on it, and its founder. That would be me. Moreover, his great quote, having kids is a perfect example of testing in production, makes us make so much sense. I could even swap it to having husband is a perfect example of testing in production. Congratulations to Noreen Tessario for the successful co-hosting of OWIT UK, Organization for Women and Men Working in International Trade and Business for International Women's Day. And I hope you all can join Mariela Camilleri and her Business Professional Women Network in Malta for the launch of the Girl to Leader Campaign 2022, which uses as a roadmap the Charter of the Girls' Rights. In today's episode, we are going to learn career change, a pay cut that can make you richer. Making a leap in professional career is exciting but oftentimes overwhelming and intimidating. Much more pursuing a career in a whole new industry. Since the pandemic started, 20% of workers have changed careers according to survey for potential. 46% of employees are considering a career change per data collected by Microsoft. The job list survey reports that most people were happier after they switched careers. Money shouldn't be the only motivator when deciding on a career and taking a job solely because the pay is appealing can increase the likelihood that the job will not work for you in the long run. Our PhD guest, Renny Morsh, has decided it's time to enter a new career path after 31 years of working in the financial industry. She has been a lover of fashion and costumes since childhood, leading her to take a postgraduate course and eventually graduate with distinction in the theatre costume at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London. She has been working as a costume designer and maker, as well as costume supervisor for theatre and film productions. 
Rennie specializes in corsetry and millinery and is currently working as a millionaire for Stephen Jones Millinery Limited, an A1 Golden Millinery. She also runs her own label, Rebels and Mavericks, selling bespoke clothing and hats. Join us on a new PhD episode and discuss the important steps and tips that you need to know when making a career change or starting a new career. Ready? Let's start with a simple question. Where in the world are you today? It's probably a little less hot as I am at the moment in beautiful by nature Texan Caicos. Hello, Beata, and hello, everybody who's watching us. Um, yes, I'm currently in Bad Homburg, which is my place of birth. I'm visiting my dad, and um, it's indeed quite a bit colder here. Hence my roll neck jumper. So not beautiful palm trays in the background, just a curtain. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, that name was Baltimore? Bad Hamburg. It's a, it's a Bad Hamburg. I bitte. Where is that? Small town near Frankfurt. Near Frankfurt. Germany. What a beautiful transition from TCI to Germany. But really, your workshop has place in the center of the universe of fashion. Get the uh, London look, right? <laughs> yeah. The center of the universe of fashion, of theater, and um, I would say nowadays even film productions, because the UK is becoming more and more important in um, being a location where films are being made. So second to Hollywood, if you want. Ah, absolutely, Hollywood Hills and all the beautiful of USA. I enjoyed last week, I was in Miami. Now it's a slightly different fashion, um, slightly on the verge of fashion from Russian, but let's not mention because it may cause some row over the fashion choices. So let's start with the question. Hat, millinery, what's the difference? Hat and millinery. Well, in millinery, we make hats. We make hat pieces. So from very traditional hats to the most dramatic things you see on stage in the West End or in films. So everything, the whole range is in my hands when I'm doing millinery. So I was, I have to admit to you, I really enjoyed last year um, exhibition at Victoria and Albert Museum in London. Uh, they did Alice in Wonderland and oh, there yes. was a special chapter on um, Matt Hatters. Yes. And I was uh, actually reflecting, I was asking my husband about the difference between uh, the millinery, millinery and hat maker, and he explained it all to me, but also he said, that's where Matt Hatter comes from, because there is a story behind it. Do you know, Renny, why Matt Hatter? Um, I think there was, in the old days, um, when they used chemicals, there was lead in there, and it, it drove people, it, it basically destroyed their, their brain cells, and it drove them mad. And that's where the Matt Hatter has come from, because of the chemicals that were used in uh, the trade. Mm. 
but uh, you are um, in the millinery. You're not a mad person, or are you? <laughs> <laughs> Some people say I am. I certainly fall into the weirdo category for a lot of people because I, I do love a crazy hat, and I always have. Um, there are pictures of me, uh, my parents took when I was a child. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely had a hat on. And sometimes I put a wig even underneath. So the fable for costuming and hats has always been there with me. So in that respect, I'm mad. But nowadays, um, materials are, we use in millinery are not um, that harmful anymore. And if we work with harmful chemicals, we, we are wearing special masks to prevent breathing in fumes and um, harmful material. So there is a safety procedure in place nowadays. I think we've lost Oh, I'm back. Sorry. <laughs> we had a cut of the internet uh, for a second, but I was wondering. So my question is uh, really to going towards the madness of going from a cushy job because you had a very nice and cushy career and then go into something that is perceived um, not so stable job. So can you tell us how did you start? It was actually um, a relative gradual move because I've always, as a teenager, I made my own clothes. Our, the sewing machine was my best friend and basically every piece of fabric I could find in the house was made into something to wear. Every Saturday night when I was going clubbing, the Saturday afternoon I spent on the sewing machine making my outfit for the night. So I've always kept a little bit of that, making things on the side when I was working in the financial industry. In 2006, I discovered Morley College in London. And because I never had a formal training in sewing or how to use the machine, how, how to work with the um, a sewing pattern, I decided, okay, let's start with the basics, do a basic sewing class at Morley's. Evening class, fantastic people, and um, it was also kind of a, a means to make new friends, and I finally learned from scratch how to sew. And so because I really enjoyed this course, I took on the next course, I went to an advanced course, then um, checked out other courses of them till I basically run out of evening courses I could do after work. The next level was um, at work, they were offering the possibility to go part time. So I reduced my working week to a four-day week and had one day to do my creative stuff and I could um, enroll in 
day courses at Morley College, which I did. So I did corsetry there. And um, this got me more and more into the subject. So I, I really dived deeper into spe speciality clothes making because you would call corsetry is a kind of very special form of clothes making because it requires um, different skills. And um, so, yes, I did then um, a summer short course at Central St. Martin's in costume design. And the tutor of this short course, I discussed it with him um, after the classes. And he was actually a tutor at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. And he said to us, we have exactly what you're looking for. We offer a postgraduate diploma in theatre costume at RADA. We have an open day. Why don't you come and have a look and see what we do? Because my biggest concern was always, I'm not good enough to start um, a fashion degree or a costume degree at Central St. Martin's because it's got this massive big reputation. You have John Galliano and um, Alexander McQueen, both graduates from Central St. Martin. So it's it's quite a benchmark. So I was really a bit, oh, am I really at that age good enough to, to do this? And my interest was always on the on the wild side and costume for me is the wild side of fashion. And hence I got into this costume thing, as I call it. And yes, this tutor, Gary, encouraged me to go to that open day, which I did. And I came out and I was I was almost moved to tears because every single department in that um, drama school was something I was interested in. So making props, making costumes, um, scenic art, absolutely fantastic, overwhelming. I came out and was, this is what I want to do. So I what, so you've had a career of how many years or what age were you when you decided to do the pay cut and career change? <laughs> that was the classic turning point, midlife crisis <laughs> at the age of 50. Oh. So in uh, 2016, uh, in May, I turned 50. And in uh, June, I got the offer. Well, obviously, before that, I applied for one of uh, these places at RADA to study um, theatre costume. And again, I thought they only take four people. And there's always the self-doubt. Am I good enough? Are they going to take me? Why the, should they take me? Mm. Because yeah, there, there are a lot of very talented people out there. Um, what can I bring to the table? And um, Gary, the tutor, actually said to me, you can bring a lot to the table. 
Mm. If you want, I, I organize you another meeting with the head of costume and just ask her any question. And she also said, yeah, if what you did in your previous job, the business development, you have project management skills, you have budgeting skills, um, time management, you know the basics and the very important basics of how to run a costume department in a, in a theater, because these skills are all necessary for that. It's not just the creativity, the ideas of a costume or the skills to make the costume. It's also this, what I call admin behind it, that is important. So mm. this gave me, this really encouraged me to, yes, give it a go. Let's see, let's apply and uh, see where I get from there. And that's amazing, uh, Renny, story, because, um, but it also reminds me so many other women and, uh, and the story of Cindy Gallup meeting um, some woman uh, who said, well, I would like to apply for that job, but do you think I could do it? I mean, do you think I'm qualified? And she said, oh my God, just do it because, you know, you've, you've done so much and we still like to validate whether we are worthy of attention, whether we are, we have it. So it reminds me the story of so many women who just don't feel the courage of going and applying for whatever they feel they would love to do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's always, it, it runs through our um, genes, I think, because um, as women, uh, probably we, we've been taught from childhood on to question ourselves and um, to accommodate. And then my, my husband said to me, well, just apply. What else can happen than a no? And I said, yeah, indeed. Nothing, yeah. nothing else can happen. And if there is a no, I need to find out what I need to do in order to change it to a yes next time. And that's it. So I didn't well, have to there is... because I did get the offer <laughs> with the first attempt. Absolutely. As they say, if the door is closed, find, find the window. Yes. opportunity yes there you go we have lovely comments from our audience and my husband in production who is uh, referring to this beautiful jamie allen um uh, quote of having kids is a perfect example of testing in production or having husband is a perfect example of um testing in production well thank you best testing in production husband i'll take whatever plaudits you generously offer you're welcome patrick uh we have a lovely comment from i esmeralda good day beata and Renny. oh and i'm loving that hat beata well we're gonna see some hats from Renny's website shortly and we have in love and in pain nice hat beata love it let's bring these hats and let's show some of the beautiful uh, features on Renny's website please um we've seen your in different hairdo as well uh, so it's quite <laughs> exciting we see some very 
uh, funky designs here. Can you tell us what insp what inspiration you get? Oh, there is Randy. Um, this particular hat you're seeing there, that was an inspiration from a 1940s hat that um, I think was exhibited in the Metropolitan Museum in New York. Hmm. And um, I have a lovely navy 1940s um, skirt suit and I thought I need a hat with that. And this is okay. the outcome and I wanted something because uh, in, in the 1940s you see a lot of fedora style hats for women so the originally male hats that were transformed into women's hats in this um particular era of the time and yeah this is one of it uh, the next one uh, we're seeing it's it's a bowler hat i made it um, custom for an actor in a theater play um, i was costuming so it's a traditional, well, traditional bowler head in the sense when they were worn in the Victorian time. So how this would be a Victorian mm. head. Rather so than uh, let me ask you, Rani, this is maybe a more kind of a fashion question than really technology or leadership question, because we are focused on technology and leadership skills. But I wanted to ask you, because it's also how we um, show ourselves, how we are uh, pictured, how we picture ourselves, whether it's social media, whether it's uh, by us attending um, uh, different venues. Uh, I've noticed that not every hat can suit the person. Would you say so or would you say you just just go for it whatever you like wear it um i think definitely whatever you like go for it because um when you like something um it reflects your character because otherwise you wouldn't like it we can come to the back does it suit you does it really matter if other people think it suits you if you like it on your it suits you. That's my opinion. Well, you like something, just go for it because it reflects your beautiful Sorry, I, I can't hear you at the moment. Um, I hope interruption in the uh, sound system can you for a millionaire but also do hats for men by the sounds of it yes absolutely yes i do hats for Great. men um my husband is my biggest fan <laughs> and uh, he's, he, he's also the person um who in really supported and encouraged me to do this and to go for it. Um, I think I mentioned it earlier with the application and it was also when when I received the offer, I was absolutely, I was shocked at that. What do I do now? And he just stood there and said coolly to me, well, I would be really, really disappointed if you weren't taking on these, this offer. I said, okay, I'll do it. 
And of course, now he gets a lot of hats. He, he hasn't got that much hair anymore, and therefore he's quite an avid hat wearer and loves his custom-made um, hats. So, yes, I personally, my preference um, in costumes as well as hats is actually men's stuff. I prefer to design and make for men because I've got the perf perfect model at home as well. So. Absolutely. So uh, we've got another question from Olga Vasina. Reni, what was your first hat? My first hat? Um, when I was a kid, I had uh, this wonderful baby blue, what you call a fisherman's hat. They're now um, back in fashion. So um it's, it's a German fisherman's hat and it was baby blue fake leather. And I think you can call that my first hat. And my first hat that I bought myself was uh, in 1979, a pink Fiorucci straw hat. Hmm. I wonder if we can find it somewhere online, uh, Rani. Yes, you can find it on my Instagram. I have a... Oh. I have a photo of me um, wearing this hat on my Instagram page. And your Instagram page handle is? It's Renny Morsh. Renny Morsh. Let's head uh, there later. But in the meantime, we've got another question from Agata Bellon. Does it make more sense to start late with a fresh mind fashion or as a young person that life experience that's a tricky one that's a, yeah that's a tricky one I, I guess um you can't really generalize it of course as a young person without life experience you have the ability to completely think outside of the box and come out with absolutely mad ideas of fashion and what to wear I think uh, being a young person and starting off in, in fashion, studying fashion design brings an advantage in itself because of that. But the later start with life experience and with, um, yeah, everything that life has thrown onto you, this is something you can bring into fashion as well. So I wouldn't, wouldn't, say there is um, one advantage to the uh, other being older or being younger. Um, it's what you make of it. Uh, every age has its positive sides and uh, yeah. I guess it's also the target market is quite uh, wealthy people, right? I would say because the uh, to make a hat from the scratch, it costs quite a lot of money and it's handmade. So what bracket are we talking about, Rani, if somebody would like to order a hat? Um, it, of course, depends on the actual hat. If, if you go, for example, for a felt hat for a man, um, I would say you start at around... 200 pounds for a simple one um, and of course there is no limit to the upside 
from me. If you um, look at other designers who are better known than me, then that can be more expensive. So if you go to Stephen Jones or if you go to Philip Tracy for a men's hat, you will start at a, at a um, higher bracket. But for me, as a relative beginner, it would start about there. But the end is open, as, as yeah. usual. Depends mm. on what, Depends. You, what you want. Um, at the moment, I'm 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 doing uh, a few commissions, but I want to get away from that because um, I I find it. Yeah, I want to be more creative on my own side. Commissions are a little bit more onto what the client wants, um, and I'd rather be on the side. I design something and then I find the client rather than the other way around. Right. Uh, we've got another question that is related to our uh, career change and pay cut discussion. Uh, Agata is asking, fabulous show. How long did your studies last, Renny? If you only look at the postgrad uh, diploma, that was two years. But of course, you have to um, factor in the evening courses I did in preparation to be able to do this course and uh, bring in some skills because you don't, uh, at a, in a postgrad course, you don't start from scratch. It's in the word postgrad. So you have some experience already. Um, after this course, um, after the two years, I then did some more courses um, in millinery for another year because I decided I want to specialize a little bit more in millinery. So that's, you can say, a total of three years. But of course, during that year, I've been doing millinery courses because that was on a part-time basis as well. I was already working in some uh, costume jobs. Mm. Uh, Olga has got another question. Hats used to be such a feature of everyday life. Do you wear a hat or hats every day, Renny? And what should we wear these days? Um, I wear a hat most days. Um, usually when I go out, I put on a hat. And uh, these hats are most of the time berries, soft hats, because they're easy to put on, they're easy to put in a bag because nowadays you're not sitting in a restaurant anymore wearing a hat you take your hat off and uh, then if you're wearing a big hat it's the question of where do you put it in the past when hats were still a staple of everyday life like in the 50s 60s and i think they ceased to be popular starting in the 60s as an everyday thing um you had hat racks in restaurants you could, for men mostly because men were the ones who took off the hat in the restaurant whereas women left their hats on it's it's usually a question of practicality of course ascot is a, a thing i love and yes i wear hats and uh, i hope that i managed to wear quite a spectacular hat 
every time I go to Ascot. I managed once to get onto um, the the Evening Standard always takes photos of Ladies' Day's hats, and I was on there once. So I, I call that a big success. <laughs> mm, fabulous. Tell us about that. How did that happen, and what was the hat that they featured? Um, it was a little... It was actually a hat a friend of mine made, and it was made out of um, a French cheese box. You know, you have these um, very thin wood veneer boxes for camembert, and it was one of this, and had two little mice sitting on this um, cheese box, and of course decorated with uh, bit of glitter, a bit of uh, some flowers and um, safety pins because it was a very punky hat. And it happened, um, we were all meeting in Waterloo Station underneath the big clock to go together to um, Escort. And that's where the uh, photographer and the reporter of the Evening Standard spotted us and um, asked whether they could take a photo of me wearing that hat. That's an amazing story, and that's how you made a name for yourself. Um, so, of course, these moments of glory are quite rare. How do you sustain yourself? How do you keep yourself motivated, especially in the times of COVID, I wonder, because you started in 2016? Um, yeah, COVID, COVID was quite a, a problem. I was um, working for Stephen Jones, um, I'm still working for Stephen Jones, but um, I, I started there before COVID and uh, luckily I got furloughed. So it wasn't so much um, a problem of loss of income. But of course, the uh, motivation during lockdown, we had quite a funny thing going with a, a group of friends. Uh, we had a costume challenge. So when other people did pub quizzes, we had a costume challenge where we set a theme where everybody had to make costumes. Um, it started off with the silly idea of, oh, let's have uh, some drinks over Zoom, but we dress up a little bit. Oh, we dress up Tudor style. Oh, who's up for that? And um, one, one couple of our friends decided to also decorate their room so they weren't only appearing in costume they had their whole de room decorated in Tudor style and this really kicked it off where we um, decorated rooms to the theme and made costumes and met with drinks over Zoom every three or four weeks because you need preparation time. Um, again, I lost your... Yes, you lost my voice because uh, I muted myself when I was drinking some icy water. Um, we are just scrolling through some of the work you did during lockdown and after lockdown. I guess uh, it's uh, not as difficult as it used to be. You can We can start enjoying our social life. Um, and you can uh, post some interesting new hats design. So uh, 
Really, going back to the beginning of your career as a millionaire or hat maker, um, you told us about the fact that the price range is, uh, is quite uh, high for average, uh, let's say, person working, uh, not working in, uh, in uh, banking, for example, or finance, uh, as your case was. Um, so how did you start the pricing process? How do you um, actually check how much you spend versus how much the material cost and how do you apply prices? Um, of course, I have my cost of material and um, I basically take the time, how long it takes me to make a hat. I give, my, I give myself an hourly wage for that. And then I multiply the outcome to the final price. It, um, it should normally contain also my fixed costs of uh, studio rent, electricity and that. But as my studio is in the loft, I don't factor that in. But for, for someone who has got a rented studio, that is also something that should be in the price. But it's my hourly wage plus material and then a multiplying factor. Uh, right. So you've been in the business for six years now. Is that correct? Um, well, that's including studies. So I started uh, the course in 2016 and graduated in 2018. So I'd say in the business for four years, three, three and a half, as we just in the beginning. Mm. Yes. Beautiful. So you definitely need a support system. You need a husband who believes in you or whoever in your family, in your circle believes in you uh, to enhance that self-belief. Um, in your uh, ability to deliver. Uh, now, let's go into your website with a beautiful uh, blue hair. Um, can you make an order on your website? Um, there is a contact sheet because I haven't got a collection on, on the website. It's not, um, it's not an e-commerce. There's a contact sheet where people can get in touch and um, ask for commissions. I have not yet built a collection. I'm thinking about that. Um, and again, I want to start with a men's collection uh, of hats. But I, um, I also have an Etsy shop, which is called Rebels and Mavericks, mm -hmm. like my brand. And uh, this Etsy shop is closed at the moment because my business um, I had on the shop was mainly with the EU and Brexit has put full brakes on it. It has been an absolute and utter nightmare and therefore I have closed the shop. And I have to, I'm now rethinking of what I'm doing in the future and it's probably not going to be on Etsy but uh, an own website, Shopify, supported around that uh, but first of all i'm going to work on a collection and uh, because 
I want to tell a bit of a story with a brand. I want to have this brand identity. And this is something um, that needs time to develop. And mm. thinking process. Well, yeah. we definitely recommend you our uh, previous show with Tamika Vikam. We were talking about personal brand, but also the, a couple of um, shows ago, we were also talking about uh, branding of your business. So uh, Rebels and Mavericks are coming back to Etsy or whichever platform we may see you on, Ready Morse. Let's go to back to the topic of the pay cut that can make you richer. Which areas of your life did this pay cut make make uh, pay cut uh, make you richer? Oh, de definitely self esteem, um, satisfaction with what I'm doing, um, finally being able to actually live out my creativity. Uh, financial industry, yes, I had I had fantastic jobs. I had nice pay coming in. I've met great people. And now um, I, I have shifted levels. I, I have met people I admired as a, a teenager, because um, Stephen Jones, for example, he was in a group called, well, group of people that was now known as the Blitz Kids, the New Romantics. I was a massive fan and I was, um, as a teenager, part of the Frankfurt New Romantics, if you can make the comparison. Mm. So I admired these people from this group. Now I'm working for them. And for me, this is absolute. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I enjoy it. I have met super interesting people i have met made so many connections it's um yeah i don't know how to explain it i'm uh basically going from one excitement to the next excitement and um this is not the kind of excitement that i had when i was working in the financial industry because there was the excitement on payday here I've got the excitement actually when I go to work, when I'm meeting people after work, when I'm networking. That's the wow, not the paycheck. I can definitely say that. I, I, I still need the support of my husband. And this is also the thing for making a career change from a well-paid job, of course. I saved for that because... This had been in the back of my mind for a long, long time, basically since I left school. My goal was, this is what I'm saving for, and this is what I want to do, because I knew um, I needed money for that, because it takes time to actually generate a, a livable income out of this. So, so ready. So you said it wasn't like a, a career change, immediate career change. You had it at the back of your mind. You had prepared for that. There were some obstacles in, in the process, like uh, nobody knew about pandemic happening, but you are here for the long run. 
And that's something that fascinates me because uh, it definitely requires a lot of stamina. And I have to say, you're talking about people you admire. And I have to say, I admire you. And I have admiration for every single person that I have met on this channel on Positivity Have Delivered. And also, thank you so much for this very, very positive vibe we are getting from Rennie today. Let's go into some of the questions. Uh, so, well, uh, IPO beat, my husband is very active. Sounds like another candidate for best husband in production. <laughs> there you Absolutely. go. <laughs> Absolutely. And then can't see myself looking for a course anytime soon, but the idea of a nice new fedora. Mm, tempting. And I have to say, Renny, that it is actually thanks to Patrick who told me about your amazing career at um, Euronex and then shifting into this new uh, mad idea of creating millinery uh, or hats uh, or, or being on your own in the world of unknown and starting from the scratch. Uh, that's really admirable. Um, Renny. Uh, I wanted to ask you, because we are talking all about career change, about how we can make uh, ourselves richer by uh, going and um, having this freedom of creativity, uh, freedom of making a choice and choosing your client and saying no to client and doing the things that you love. And I have to uh, mention here, Katrina Feck, co-founder of the website Flickr. Um, she says the most successful entrepreneurs I know are optimistic. It's part of the job description. So question for you, Renny, how do you keep yourself so optimistic? Oh, I, I think I'm generally an optimistic person. I think I inherited from that from my dad. We, um, always yeah for me the class is always going back to that old boring example the class is always half full there's always this what i said earlier what's the worst case scenario that can happen oh fine no we're looking at the best best outcome and um i think i, I, I always tend to say if you don't ask you don't get if you don't try you can't succeed so try it and uh, if you don't succeed the first time maybe try again change something uh, see what didn't go that, that well in the first place but this is um how i stay optimistic there's always um something that inspires me i, I might just look at um, a fantastic fashion photography or an exhibition um I went to the Christian Dior exhibition at the VNA. Again, that was something, oh my God, so, so inspiring. I, I tend to come out of these things with thousands of ideas and a, a real buzz that I get from it. And um, this is what motivates me the whole time. Absolutely. People who never do any more than they get paid for never get paid for any more than they do. Albert Hubbard said, thank you very much, uh, Racy, for that useful quotation. Renny, 
what advice would you give to females who wanted to do uh, that career change and pay cut? Definitely look at it like um, you would look at a business. Make, make a plan, set your milestones, what you want to achieve in a certain time frame. Um, look at where you want to be in the end. What, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? And then make your small steps. How can you get there? And um, yeah, I would say every little milestone, like um, when I did my evening courses, every course I added was more, one more tick on my mental list. Yeah, I've done this now. Now I know this, I can do this. So net, let's go to the next higher thing and do this. So it's, it's having a plan, but of course, financially, um, have a plan as well. If you don't have savings, um, I'm, I personally hate debts. So I couldn't go to university and have a student debt that would kind of um, pull me down. But that's a personal thing. Um, I tend to think it's also very German because you get raised. No, no, you save money and then you can spend it. Um, so for me, it was having this, having these savings as a financial background um, gave me a, a lot of, oh, freed my headspace that I didn't have to worry, is this resulting immediately in a job? I knew I had, after graduation, I gave myself um, one and a half to two years to establish myself somewhere in in the industry um, and I didn't really know where in the industry but I thought if I haven't um, achieved an employment or um, yeah gainful employment in in this time I have to start to think again because it's not working Right. Um, we've got Olga Vecina is asking um, a question. What is your greatest source of inspiration, Renny? Hashtag love this show. Um, in, inspiration in terms of um, favorite designers. Fa yeah, I, I, I love fashion. I love um, how people dress. And um, my favorites are, are definitely Galliano. Dior and um, Alexander McQueen. If you have seen these clothes, absolutely wonderful, and that um, just brings brings out my creativity. One of those things. Nature as well. I look. I, I very often go into the woods on my own, and I look at leaves it can be a dead leaf it can be a piece of um yeah a broken twig anything i get inspiration for that because i love nature and in in some of my hats you will also find a lot of nature represented uh, i keep thinking the hat it was a hat i made that got me into rada and it was a, the same hat i made that got me this uh, job at stephen jones and it was something that um, consisted of um, Icelandic moss, 
twigs from trees out of my garden, real fern, and um, some fake mushrooms. So that's, that's something that Bjork would probably happily wear. Um, let's go into the book inspiration. Another question I have for you. What is the number one book you can sit and think, oh, I wish I read it before I started my pay cut? Um, there is actually no book I wish I read before. I can tell you the book that really gave me um, the kick to do it, and that was Viv Albertine's biography. Viv, Albertine's, uh, Viv Albertine is a member of the Slits, which was uh, one of the early punk, all-girl punk groups. And I found her biography absolutely inspirational. And this is the book I would choose. Oh, if I, I should have read that book long before because it would have probably started my career change a bit earlier. Beautiful. Renny, uh, are you working on any exciting new projects right now? Um, nothing, nothing really new. I'm, um, I'm working on with both Stephen Jones and Avon Golding on their new collections um, to bring them into the in, into the public and uh, this is quite exciting because i always love uh, making new collections and then we'll see how well these collections um sell so if there are any viewers here who knew who need a hat for ascot or any other occasion in the summer have a look Mm, we'll definitely um, share uh, your show uh, and also share your very important quote, which is a life lesson quote, if you could tell us how did it impact you in your career or in your life? Yeah, I think I mentioned my life lesson quote, if you don't ask, you don't get. Mm. And this, this, this has... Um, has always been the thing in in everything i i did um i just thought yeah well let's go and ask you might get it and um it it was like that in oh, oh god i have to think of the year it's it's such a long time ago yeah when i was doing my banking apprenticeship and um, there was this foreign exchange trader in in germany talking about how they are looking for uh, trainees to become uh, FX traders after the apprenticeship and we should apply. In the German language, you distinguish um, between a male and a female and he was only talking about male. So I asked him, well, is it open for female? Because you're only talking about males here. And he said, hmm, yeah, of course, open to everyone. And I said, okay, I'm going to apply for it. I was the only woman who applied. I got it um, because I guess no other woman asked. And uh, again, for a certain time, it, I was the only FX, female FX spot trader trading uh, back then, dollar mark, um, for the book of the bank in Germany because that's what I wanted. 
and I asked for it and I worked to get it. So, um, takes a lot of courage, uh, Renny. Uh, I admire that. Um, female FX sports trader, a millionaire, and uh, going into different uh, ways of uh, dealing with pandemic, as well as uh, preparing for the fear of unknown, because it's so much easier when you prepare for different optionalities. Uh, whatever will happen is not a fear anymore. Ready? It's time for our favorite question. Imagine the pandemic is over and you can have breakfast anywhere in the world with any person in the world. Who would you choose? And uh, will it be breakfast? No, it won't be breakfast because I'm an absolute morning grumpy person. Give me a brunch and give me, <laughs> give me that brunch. And I have two favorites. It's either Michelle Clapton, <coughs> um, who is a costume designer. Sorry about that. My voice is going in the last few minutes. Who's a costume designer for Game of Thrones. <coughs> or Sandy Powell, also a costume designer. Fabulous. So costume designers, you would have beautiful brunch and <laughs> Where would you go with them? Take your time to have that sip of water. Um, into my or, or or maybe schnapps, as oh, the no, case no. might be. <laughs> <coughs> no, I think that brunch would be in my kitchen because that's a really comfy place, and that's uh, where you can have a proper conversation and you can go as long as you like so the brunch would be cooked by you oh no <laughs> that's where that's where the best husband in production comes in again oh fabulous that's great to hear um thank you Renny, for this fabulous show uh, ladies and gentlemen we are heading to the end of our uh discussion with Renny, and we are talking about uh our career cut. We are talking also about next week uh, PhD, which is creating happiness key shifts for great leadership. Uh, we've seen some great leadership qualities even ready today. And I would like to encourage you to have courage and to stay updated and sure you never miss a positivity hack delivered, follow woman on it and turn on notifications to be alerted once a video has been released. It takes less time to do a thing than it does to explain why you did it wrong, as Henry Longfellow has more points. I would like to also thank our lovely audience, Patrick Young, I Esmeralda, In Love and In Pain, Olga Vasina and Agatha Bellon were very sweetly commenting and adding a little bit of uh, insights and uh, great discussion into today's show. Thank you very much, Renny. Have a great day and see you next week. Thank you very much, Beata and team, for uh, this lovely opportunity. It was nice talking to you and have a wonderful evening.